You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. I think a lot about consciousness. I focus inward and fill myself with private awareness. Nothing is more important than consciousness. Here's why. Either consciousness is something special in the universe, a carrier of meaning and perhaps purpose, or consciousness is an accidental byproduct of evolutionary survival, a likely illusion. That's why I've thought long and hard about consciousness, with no plans to stop. My hope is that consciousness is something special, because only if so could we in any sense survive death. But because I hope, I'm biased, which is why I must frame the question as a skeptic. Is consciousness an illusion? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my long journey to find out. I begin in Cambridge, England, with an experimental psychologist whose work on vision sheds light on consciousness, Nicholas Humphrey. I'm intrigued by Nick's controversial ideas on the evolution of consciousness and by his audacious claim that his new theory explains consciousness. Nick, you and I were both trained in neurophysiology and have had a fascination with consciousness our entire lives. So I'd like to start with your sense of what this remarkable feeling of consciousness is. I think it's surprising sometimes that people think there's a puzzle about defining consciousness. In some ways, it's the most obvious thing there is for us. It's, it's what we wake up to every morning when we open our eyes and we see the blue, blue sky out the window and we hear the birds singing and we smell the aroma of coffee coming up the stairs, perhaps. We're suddenly bathed in sensation. We're living in what I call the thick moment of sensation. And that's consciousness. It seems like something so different than everything else we know in the physical world. Well, exactly so. Sensations are possibly the most mysterious thing which exists in our universe. Our experience of sensation seems to have qualities which material matter couldn't give rise to. And that's where the mystery lies. Um, Sometimes I say that consciousness is an illusion. And the reason for saying that is that it seems to us that it exists outside of time and space and, and matter as defined by physics. It can't be so. I'm a materialist. This is being produced by my brain or your brain. And so I believe that in the end, the explanation must come down to what's going on inside our heads. But consciousness doesn't seem to have those qualities because it makes us think of ourselves as being something outside matter, of having a metaphysical significance, perhaps, which sets us above and outside uh, the mundane world. But this is an illusion. I hope it's an illusion, I should say, because as a scientist, I want to believe that we can explain it in terms of physics and chemistry, uh, the matter of the brain. If that's not an illusion, then we're dealing with something paranormal. (laughs) But 
My belief, of course, is there's nothing paranormal about consciousness. We're not going to have to invoke new laws of physics or new laws of psychic phenomena to explain it. In the end, we must be able to bring this all back to Earth with an explanation in terms of the chemistry and physics of the brain. The brain has set us up to experience these phenomena in the way a magician can set up a mystery show on stage to impress us with the strangeness of the phenomena which he's demonstrating. In this case, it's our own brain which is impressing us um, with what's going on uh, uh, in, our, in our heads in a way which makes us feel special and transcendent. That's what the point of consciousness is and, in the end, why it evolved. So Nick hopes consciousness is an illusion. Because consciousness seems to exist outside of time and space and independently of matter, if this non-material sense of consciousness were not an illusion, then to explain it, one would need venture beyond the physical. And because Nick is a materialist, he naturally decides that our non-material sense of consciousness must be an illusion. To Nick, consciousness is a magic trick played on us by our own brains. Consciousness is a magical mystery show that we lay on for ourselves. But why the magic show? To give life more meaning? More to enjoy, more to fight for, more to stay alive for. Which is why, I suppose Nick says, consciousness evolved. It's a neat story, but still, at best, Nick explains the fact of consciousness, not the feeling. The why, not the how. Are there other facets of our mental life that may be illusions? I go to London to pursue mental deceptions with the author of The Ego Trick, philosopher Julian Bagini. Consciousness isn't an illusion. I mean, clearly there's awareness of the world. What's an illusion is the idea that within each of us is this unitary, fixed, constant self, that there is in each of us a kind of core of being, a single entity which is the same and persists through time. I think that's an illusion because actually when you look at it and you look at it from the point of view of introspection or you look at it through neuroscience or you look at it through meditation, which Buddhism does, you find that actually there's just an arrangement, a collection of thoughts, feelings, memories and so forth. And it's the way those all come together that gives us a feeling of being unitary entities. But there isn't a single thing there at the core of it. We don't understand enough about how the sense of self emerges from the way the brain operates to actually be able to explain this properly. But there are lots of metaphors that can help us. I mean, the most basic one would be like an orchestra, I guess. When you listen to an orchestra, you have a sense of there being a single piece of music. You hear it as one thing. But we know that's only because there are all sorts of different instruments doing their, their bits. And in a way, brain and consciousness is like an orchestra of the mind. There are all these different systems working together and they create a sense of oneness because of the way they harmonize. What would be the analog of the conductor of the orchestra? Well, you know, orchestras don't always need conductors. Just think of your own personal experience. Think, for example, about an act of creation when you have an idea. It's not like you're sitting there conducting every step of the argument in a conscious way. You kind of stew things over and 
a solution pops up, a conclusion emerges. So I think that our own, own experience really tells us that the mind kind of generates conclusions. They're not being generated by the equivalent of a conductor. So do you have every confidence that there will be a physical explanation for the inner sense of awareness, this concept of qualia in consciousness? I'm agnostic about how we're going to go with being able to explain feeling sensation qualia scientifically. I just don't think we know. I think a lot of people are being too confident in saying science can never explain this or science will explain it. You know, there are going to be limits to our knowledge and I think that's something we all have to accept. Look at us, we're just overgrown apes or undergrown apes actually. <laughs> Julian says that while our unified sense of personal identity is an illusion, consciousness is real. But whether consciousness can ever be explained is not yet known. Fair enough, we have much more to learn about the brain. But an argument that appeals to limits of knowledge is hard to refute. I do not like limits of knowledge arguments. We are either way too early or way too smart. And I shall not retreat from the battle to explain consciousness. Perhaps a new perspective on consciousness can help. I go to Boston to visit a mind-body philosopher and a novelist who works her ideas through the mental lives of her fictional characters, Rebecca Neuberger Goldstein. Rebecca, when I start focusing on consciousness, I see a dramatic bifurcation of my friends. Many of them are brain scientists, and they say that what we imagine consciousness to be is really an illusion. As a novelist, I spent so much of my life trying to imagine what it's like to be other people and mm -hmm. what the world seems like uh, from their point of view. And I can't for the life of me imagine holding that point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a lot of times in the history, in our progress, we've eliminated uh, certain things that we believed existed. I mean, people used to believe witches existed and you know milk going sour and babies dying yeah. for no reason but you know would explain by that cackling little old lady living yeah. uh, in the hut and then of course we find another explanation that eliminates any reference to the witch we understand about germs and, and fermentation yeah. we understand about instant death syndrome yeah. and, and babies and, and whatever I try to imagine what it would be like to have an explanation in terms of neurophysiology or whatever the most advanced uh, science we have at that time is um, that was it only seemed to us that we were conscious it only it's yeah. seeming to yeah. us that we are conscious yeah. is a description of a conscious, conscious. state. Yeah. I could understand that maybe we can get a description down at the, at the physical level, which is so refined that we have a one-to-one -one, uh, correspondence between every conscious state and every physical state, so that by giving the physical state description, we say, oh, yes, you mean you're saying that you're nervous, you're saying that you're... Um, you know, your longing for your husband, or, or, or what, you know, that they, we would know that there was this correlation. But that to get a description that would say, no, it only seems to you that you're longing for your husband. You're, you're, you're yeah. not. The physics yeah. is what's going on. I don't understand. People used to think that 
that heat was caloric fluid or that fire was phlogiston. Um, those things were eliminated. They don't exist. It's not that we've shown what they consist in. We, we, they have no explanatory uh, use whatsoever, and they simply have been eliminated. And, and one big difference between consciousness or knowledge of consciousness and phlogiston and caloric fluid is um, those things, and we thought that they existed because uh, they were inferred to explain something. We don't infer consciousness uh, to explain, I mean it does explain things, but that's not why we know that consciousness exists. We know it exists. <laughs> it's so intimately, as Descartes said, there is nothing more that I know uh, than my own mind. To Rebecca, nothing is more real than consciousness. It characterizes her philosophy and enriches her novels. But then, what follows? How to make progress? Because real is one thing, explanation quite another. In fact, the more consciousness is real, the more difficult it is to explain. So I turn in the opposite direction. I seek a rare philosopher who believes that consciousness is so real that it's a building block of reality. In Oxford, I speak with the British philosopher of mind, Galen Strawson. Galen, what is consciousness? Is it an illusion? No, it's not an illusion, and it's actually provably not an illusion. If there seems to be experience of violins and golden sunlight, that just is there being experience of golden sunlight and violins. Uh, this is a place where you can't open up the is-seems gap. So I can, for any object, I can say, look, it seems to me that I'm sitting in front of you, but I might be dreaming, you might not really be there. But if you try to say, it seems to me that I'm seeing someone who looks just like you, or it seems to me that I'm in front of a, a red wall, but even the seeming is an illusion. That would be saying, it seems to seem. <laughs> but what would that be like? That would be the same as it seeming. Yeah, so you, you cannot, can never get rid of it. You cannot get away from the seeming. And the seeming just is what most people mean by consciousness. The claim is, is that there are different brain systems that are competing together, uh, that have no relationship together, except that we brings an artificial unity. I don't mind what story they tell about how it's produced in the brain. I mean, it may, I know that it's extremely complicated. What we know is that the end product is there. So whatever the true story, the true neurophysiological story about how it's caused to arise, there isn't going to be an argument from saying, look, it arises in this incredibly complicated way, integrating independent systems, therefore it's not really real. There's just, there's just no argument there. We know that it's real. So how, how would you then classify consciousness? I've invented a verb, which is called to looking glass, a word. So a lot of people have looking glass the word consciousness, where I define that as you use it in such a way that whatever you mean by it, it excludes what the word actually means. <laughs> what is your definition yeah, of I mean, consciousness? I think, I think we just don't need to get very complicated. We just stay with colors, sights, sounds, tastes, and smells, and bodily feelings, including pain. That's enough. It's all those things of which we say in this famous phrase that there is something it's like to have them, something it's like subjectively or qualitatively or experientially to feel them. How important is consciousness for our 
understanding of what reality is all about? Well, I'm inclined to go all the way. I'd say consciousness is the most certainly known fact. All our fundamental data is a matter of conscious experiences. So, absolutely fundamental, fundamental science. I have <laughs> no doubt that all our conscious experience is just a matter of brain processes going on. But I wish, you know, I wish I could bet a thousand years into the future. I bet that we will never explain that. So strongly does Galen believe in the profound uniqueness of consciousness, going all the way with consciousness, he says, that he makes the radical move to put feeling at the bottom of things, such that all matter has or is a kind of experience. This means that consciousness would be fundamental. It would not depend on anything else. It would not emerge through evolution. Consciousness would sit at the foundations of the world. That a serious philosopher decides to flout science and be intellectually pilloried testifies to the extreme depth of the mystery of consciousness. But can consciousness be explored by science without making radical departures from normal knowledge? Still in England, I go to London. I meet the tough-minded public intellectual and new atheist, philosopher Anthony Grayling. The fact of, of consciousness is, seems to me indisputable. We all experience it all the time. We're all inhabiting the, 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 the core of our own conscious experience. We've learned to recognize that consciousness is very selective. It's a very small part of our mental activity. Most mental computation is non-conscious. But it doesn't change the fact that to feel a pain, to see a beautiful array of flowers, that the qualia uh, aspect of things is something very, very vivid, very real, and of course of supreme importance to us. It's also the case we know two other things. That we recognize the presence of consciousness in non-human animals as well, in dogs and primates, and so we can uh, surmise that the complexity of the nervous system has something to do with the, the, the richness or fullness of, of conscious experience. And we also know that if you take an ice pick yeah. and you dig it deep enough in somebody's yeah. head, that conscious experiences are going to be uh, rearranged or, right. or terminated. Um, and all the evidence seems to suggest that unless you have a functioning uh, um, brain, a higher central nervous system, you don't get consciousness associated with it. Consciousness may very well not be one single thing. There may be not be one coordinating center of consciousness. There may be a multiple phenomena. There may be different levels and kinds of consciousness. But the fact of it, uh, is indisputable and its importance is supreme. So, question comes up is, can you take the category of nerve impulses with that feeling of the internal experience of what it means to see a sunset or hear a symphony? Uh, are those categories so distinct that it puts a significant challenge to make the correlation into cause or, as some would think, into identity? to where those neural events literally are those qualia, those internal experiences? I think the, the powerfully justified assumption is that those, those two apparently very different kinds of phenomena are in, in some sense the same thing or in some sense causally related. And so the goal has to be to find out what that 
explanation is that we can give of that. Any individual component of a motor car can't be driven from Chicago to New York, but put them together in the right way, and then you can. This is an appeal to the idea of emerging properties. A consciousness may be uh, um, a property or set of properties that arise from the right configuration and interaction of elements in our brains. To Anthony, consciousness must be explained entirely by physical brain. Brain and mind must be, in some sense, the same thing, identical, or at least causally connected. No other options can he consider. I respect Anthony's physicalist views, which fits the facts of brain science but I remain suspicious that something big is missing. Conscious experience and brain electricity seem so supremely distinct. I'd be dumbfounded if they were identical. That's why, still in London, I seek out the polymath philosopher, essayist, humanist, and retired doctor Raymond Tallis. I've read Ray for years. I'm taken by his surprise rejection of materialism and brain-mind identity, and his fearless insistence on human uniqueness, all within his atheistic worldview. Ray, let's start at basics. What is consciousness? That's not as basic as it sounds, but I would like to have affirmative action for the ground floor of consciousness, qualia. These are sensations, feelings, feelings of warmth, feelings of cold, sense of brightness, and so on and so forth. This is the ground floor of consciousness that many philosophers' consciousness try to ignore or to eliminate, because it is the most difficult part of consciousness, actually, to assimilate into a materialist world picture, into the idea that consciousness is due to brain activity. Now, some philosophers will eliminate that by claiming that consciousness is an illusion. Consciousness can't be an illusion, of course, because to have the illusion of being conscious is being conscious. I mean, this is just a variant, basically, of Descartes' cognitive argument. But the, the things they tend to regard as illusory are ground floor bits of consciousness, like qualia, or even items such as beliefs and thoughts and so on. They think that these items belong to a folk psychology that a science of consciousness will eventually do without. But their attempts to get rid of these things seems to me have proved entirely unsatisfactory. Well, why do so many uh, first-rate philosophers then uh, believe that? I think they make the fundamental and very common error of confusing methodological limitations with uh, an account of what is there. If you can't measure something, or if you can't subject it to scientific investigation, so they feel, then it doesn't really exist. But that, of course, is nonsense. To argue that something as fundamental as the feeling of warmth that I'm having now doesn't exist is a pretty desperate remedy to try and include all of consciousness within the methodological limitations of scientific psychology. The focus of the illusion is the eye that senses that. That's the illusion. It's interesting that those who tried to dispose of the eye are quite remarkable egos themselves. But even rather non-egocentric characters like David Hume ran into a lot of trouble when they tried to dispose of the, of the eye. When you think of the famous passage in his treatise on human nature, and he says, when I look into the flow of my consciousness, I see a succession of perceptions, yes. but I don't see anything corresponding to I. Right. 
that sentence has got at least three instances of I in it. <laughs> so clearly the I that is David Hume is a real thing, but this I that I am is an absolutely fundamental intuition. It isn't something that is reducible to anything else. That I am and that I am this, this person currently talking, uh, this body from which I'm talking, is something that I, I cannot, without self-refutation, deny. Consciousness seems to exist beyond the material world. The less this is true, the easier to explain consciousness in purely physical terms. Maybe our non-material sense of consciousness is an illusion, a random accident selected for by survival-seeking evolution. If so, a last bastion of supernaturalism would fall. If consciousness is all physical, then the material world is likely all that exists. Ultimately, consciousness may be explained by brain activity alone. But if not, there would remain only two possibilities. One, consciousness exceeds the limits of human inquiry. Our brains evolved to escape wild animals, not to comprehend consciousness. Two, consciousness breaks the boundaries of physical laws. There would be something about consciousness that goes beyond today's physics. Here, I am an extremist. I think that only the polar opposite positions make sense. Either our non-material sense of consciousness is an illusion, or consciousness is a glimpse of non-physical reality. For me, there's no middle ground. To compromise on consciousness is not closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.